Hello and welcome to Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 331 of the podcast. I have such a fantastic episode and guest for you today. It is Allie Fallon. She is the author of The Power of Writing It Down, and today we're talking about about just that, the power of writing down things, whether it's in a formal way, whether you want people to read it eventually, or whether it is journaling for the purpose of just processing things. She's always loved writing, but Allie really found writing as a form of therapy when her first marriage ended and she needed to process through those feelings. And she went on to eventually remarry. She recently had her first child uh, in the last year, which is so exciting. So we'll talk about becoming a mother and we're going to talk about the role that writing has played all along the way. So whether you're somebody that writes regularly right now, or you're just trying to process things, I personally love writing as a way of kind of downloading my brain, getting it out of the spin cycle and helping to process and come out the other side with some realizations. And she loves to help other people to do the same thing. She's developed a community of writers called Find Your Voice. And in her new book, she also gives ideas for how writing can really be of assistance to you. And it can just start with 20 minutes a day. We all have that, right? So I'm so grateful for Allie for sharing both her motherhood journey and her expertise in writing. It's such a wonderful, inspiring episode. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Allie Fallon. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Allie Fallon today. Hi, Allie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's so great to be here. It's so fun to get to talk to you. It is the new year. And how are you feeling about a new year, 2021? Honestly, I'm feeling so good. I feel, uh, I know I was a part of a group yesterday. We were talking about how we feel and it was split about 50-50, whether Mm. people feel like a wave of optimism or whether they're still feeling a little, you know, um, drugged down from 2020. And I actually feel a really strong wave of optimism. So I'm I'm hanging on to that for now. We'll see how long that lasts because I felt very similarly at the beginning of 2020. So <laughs> I know. we'll see. But I have really been, with it. yes, I've really been loving seeing people reflecting upon like their first Instagram post of last year or, you know, their blog, but whatever. And being like what they thought would be in store for 2020 as so many of us set out with these goals and these, you know, mostly things that we think we can control in (laughs) our lives. And it's just the reflection and looking back, I think it will forever shift kind of how we approach taking things more day to day, appreciating what is, accepting what is. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I agree with you completely. In fact, I was thinking the other day that the biggest thing that has changed for me is I have learned not to force things. Mm. My whole life I have gotten by on, um, I think like a a work ethic that was taught to me by my parents, basically just kind of put your head down and get the job done. And, and also, you know, like a maybe genetic natural intelligence. And then like the privilege that I have given to me, the sense that like, no matter what is put in front of me, I can figure it out and I can make it happen. And for most of my life that has served me pretty well, because it's like, if there's a goal I want to accomplish, 
I just map out the path to the goal and then I just get it done. And I just don't ask any questions along the way. And it, I haven't realized until 2020 how that has worked to my detriment as well as my benefit, which is that it has come at the expense of, of like ignoring my own body cues about like what I need in the moment or what's good for me or, or, you know, like what my physical body's trying to tell me. And then also, um, you know, 2020 was a year where despite all of my efforts, <laughs> uh, I didn't reach the goals that I thought I was going to reach. And so it was a very humbling, vulnerable year for me, especially giving birth to my daughter, because I set out on this path, you know, I like wrote out my whole birth plan and I did this activity that I give to writers all the time where, uh, it's called pre-scripting, but you basically script out how you want things to go and you read it to yourself over and over again. And you, you prime your brain to get ready for the event to go the way that you, you sort of like your ideal vision for how you want it to go. And the birth went like completely opposite of how I thought it was going to go. And it was the most humbling experience that I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. And, and we'll, and we'll dig more into that birth experience and everything in our conversation today. But I think it's just so interesting what you're saying about how you, you know, previously thought of something as a strength right? Effort, yes. Efforting your way, taking action, making things happen, your intelligence, your practicality, you know, all these things, which, which are very, very yeah. good attributes yeah. and they, and they still can be used for good. And recognizing that our superpowers can also be our weaknesses when we rely too heavily upon them and don't use the other aspects to also you know, just yes. find a place of peace when whatever happens does end up happening and accepting that because you can, you could end up having to do a lot more cleanup after something happens that didn't go the way you thought it would. If you clung too tightly to a certain expectation, yes. I found that 100%. as well. That's really hard. Yeah. Well, for people that may not know you yet, Allie, tell me a little bit uh, about who you are and just introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, I am an author and a writing coach and the founder of a company called Find Your Voice. We equip people to become writers and writers to become authors. So we work with a lot of authors who are working on books. And then we also teach people who would not necessarily consider themselves a writer to use writing as a tool for personal growth. So this is what I've been doing for the last 12 years or so in my career. And it's really, really fun and rewarding work. I love it. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in real quick and thank a show sponsor, and that is New Calm. New Calm is new to me, but so far I am loving it because I think we can all agree as we're entering a brand new year and yet we're still in quarantine for most of us, depending upon where we live, managing your daily stress, it is real. It is a real struggle, especially as a mom. And New Calm gives you the power to slow down and get some distance, which will allow you to respond better to the demands of everyday life and Newcom accomplishes this in a really interesting way. And they use calming brainwave patterns that are associated with relaxation through their app and through these little stickers you put on your wrist. And this is clinically proven in over 1 million sessions to improve your sleep, reduce your stress, boost your recovery without drugs or side effects. And I have really been enjoying just this calming experience. So basically it's an app, they send you these great uh, eye mask things that is very soothing. And then you put, like I said, the sticker on your wrist and it really helps your brainwaves to just slow down, to become more present, 
and to just take that time to really recharge. The different length meditations that you can do and it is really just a fantastic addition to my life. So do what I did and own the day with new calm and make 2021 the year you manage your stress better. We have a special link all set up specifically for our listeners. Go to empnewcalm.com and get 50% off your 30-day subscription of New Calm and their money-back guarantee. That is kind of an interesting link, so listen again, empnewcalm.com and get 50% off your 30-day subscription. I would love to hear how much you enjoy New Calm. Here's to a much more stress-free 2021. That is so wonderful. And I love how you've been able to use your professional skills and your professional work to also aid in your personal growth. And I think when you can merge those two things, there's really just no more fulfilling job. And I'm seeing more and more people actualizing those types of things in their real life. And I think especially... I have, I'm pregnant with my fourth baby. Um, I was a teacher. Oh, oh thank you so much. Uh, and largely a stay at home mom. But, and I think a lot of moms discredit that the time that they're spending at home are limiting or lessening their skill set or things like that. And they feel like they have this huge gap in their resume or things like mm. that. But when you can realize the transferable skills that you have, you know, whether it's natural talents and abilities or things that you're honing just through everyday life they can apply vice versa and i love how you kind of you know it's the opposite approach it's your professional world ended up really supporting you through some really hard times in your life tell me when writing became really critical for you personally to get through some hard stuff yeah great question i was teaching this um approach to writing for several years before i ever started using it for myself um when my sort of professional world and personal world imploded together was when I went through a divorce. I was actually uh, a business owner with my now ex-husband. Oh, wow. So we were doing this work together. We were working with um, authors, helping them out. I was helping them outline their books. You know, he was kind of doing like the sales, business, growth, acquisition, that sort of thing. And I was um, the one who was the face of the brand and teaching all the authors that we were working with and creating curriculums for online courses. And, um, and then uh, I uncovered some information. I write all about this in a book that I wrote called Indestructible that came out a couple of years ago. But I uncovered some information that basically recolored the entire way that I saw our relationship and opened my eyes to some really problematic patterns that had been at play in the relationship for the whole time that I had been in it. And I think I had just been completely blind to what was going on. So that shifted everything for me. The marriage ultimately ended. Um, it was a really great thing that it ended, but it, it meant for me in the moment that, you know, my business went away, my house went away, my dog went away, mm. everything that I had held true about my life. And especially my faith, I had grown up in the Christian church and he, my ex-husband was a pastor. We had planted a church together. So it, it was also, um, it shook the foundation of my worldview and my faith too. It just made me question all the things that I had held to be true. And so was an incredibly, incredibly trying time for me. And I uh, did the only thing that I knew how to do, which was took to writing. (laughs) And what I did is I took the techniques that I had been teaching to these other writers and applied it to my personal story. And what I found is that when I wrote down my personal story, it unlocked this new, more profound meaning to the story that I hadn't seen before. So I went from seeing 
this set of circumstances that I had gone through the divorce as kind of like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. And, you know, like I would say to myself, like this sent me all the way back to zero, like this has destroyed my career. And I was able to really shift my perspective to the entire story to think of it like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) And this is the first day of the real career that I've always wanted to have. And, um, that shift in perspective not only saved my life. And I say that sort of like, you know, it's sort of literal, but, but also like emotional, energetic life, but, but it also set me on a trajectory to the life that I'm living now, which is, um, deeper and more fulfilling and more beautiful and wonderful than anything that I could have imagined. So, um, so this has shifted me in my career now, like you were mentioning that sort of like merging of the personal and the career to using the same tools that I've always taught to writers who were looking to publish and now teaching those tools to people who wouldn't maybe not consider themselves writers, but who have a story to tell. And I really believed with every, believe with every fiber of my being that, um, using these tools can help us shift the way that we see ourselves inside of our stories in really important ways. Yeah. And when you're writing for yourself, no one is there to judge it, right? And so some people set out to be writers as their profession and to hone their craft and to be really good at it and crafts, you know, craftsmen at that. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about in mm-hmm. in this. As you're going through the hardest time of your life, processing things and being able to see it on a page versus having these thoughts spinning in your head. It's the same narrative in your head as what you put on paper, but we're we're able to see things more objectively and as if it's almost, uh, you're an observer of of those thoughts and that experience a little bit. Totally. And I also want to add too, really quickly, you said that when you're writing for just yourself, no one is there to judge it. I would add to that No one is there to judge it except for you. This feels really important because what you find as you write down your story is you uncover your own judgments of yourself, which is like a powerful key that can literally unlock ways that you're blocked in your life, that you you know you're blocked, but you aren't sure how to get unstuck. Um, And I always say writer's block is not writer's block, it's life block. Because Mm -hmm. when there's something that you want to say or want to do that you don't feel you can say or do, when you try to write it on the page, you won't be able to because you don't want to see it. It's like not wanting to look at yourself in a mirror when you haven't brushed your hair that day. Um, You know, so there's that, that even though nobody else is going to read what what you're going to write, there still can be a bit of resistance to the process of writing down your story. Um, because what you ultimately know at the end of the day is when you write it down, you'll see it really with honest, you'll be able to see it in an honest way. And that can be a little intimidating. Yeah. And I think what you're bringing up is really interesting because so many times we think like, don't judge yourself, just accept you as you are, all these things. But then also what you're saying is that a, a certain part of judgment can be good because it's revealing. Right. And so the things that we're feeling triggered about, the things that are kind of staring us in the face objectively that maybe we're not seeing in ourselves, it's okay to confront those things and want those things to be different. Right. Sure. And so, so it's different, yeah. like, like tearing yourself down because of your thoughts or because of your experiences or because of your whatever versus looking at it as a helpful tool to reveal things that are, that are there that, that yeah. can be different. It's such a good point. And one of my biggest beefs with the self-help world in general is that I sometimes find it can be the very antithesis of good psychology, Mm. um, in which, you know, 
the self-help world can tend to sort of gloss over things that we would consider negative or part of our shadow self or um, traits or habits or whatever that we wish we didn't have. It's just kind of like um, the attitude I was talking about at the beginning of our conversation, which is just like, put your head down, get through this, fix it. And bringing that attitude to our lives can be really damaging to us because just to your point, when you write something down, you might notice that you ha- you might notice that you have a judgment about something. We all have judgments about other people. We have judgments about our lives. We have judgments about ourselves. And the only way to relieve yourself of the judgment is to notice that you have the judgment and to get curious about it. So it's kind of like this balancing act between, you know, having a judgment, sort of hanging on to a judgment about yourself is not going to be helpful to you as you try to move forward in your life, but without admitting the judgment that you have toward yourself, you won't be able to relieve yourself of it. So, um, that, that's the tension that I feel sometimes with, you know, like a lot of the self-help literature is kind of like positive attitude. Life is great. And what I hope the writing process does for people is it doesn't force you to have a positive attitude. Actually, it can be quite healing to write down a story about your life and have a really negative attitude at first, because that's just the honest attitude you have Hmm. about your life. And the, the beauty of the writing process is, um, just because you have a thought or a feeling about your life right now, it does not, just because it's true right this moment does not mean it has to stay true. Mm. So for, you could say for now, you know, like while I was going through the divorce, I would have said, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And now I can genuinely say without any reservations or hesitations, that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. I don't even know where I would be if that hadn't have happened to me. So it, so the truth kind of morphs and changes over time and you can watch yourself develop and grow, but you don't have to force the change. You get to kind of dance with it. It's like this creative, um, yeah, it's a creative dance that you do. That's really powerful. Yeah. Not clinging to the label of what you're seeing at that moment, but acknowledging what is in, in that moment. You used yeah. a term that I'm not familiar with. You said shadow self. What is that? Yeah. What does that mean? So our shadow self is the, the traits about ourselves that um, it's a therapeutic term, but it's, it's the traits about ourselves that we would tend to think of as negative. Mm-hmm. And this is different for everybody. But for example, a lot of women tend to think of their anger as part of their shadow self. Um, but your shadow self could also include, you know, um, traits like a tendency to manipulate others to get what you want or um, you know, a tendency to be critical or negative toward yourself or toward others. So there are traits about ourselves that we tend to label as negative. But the interesting thing about the shadow self is if we think of ourselves as whole people who have both positive and negative traits about ourselves, all of us do, then your shadow self is part of yourself. And the only way to be integrated, to to live an integrated life, which is, you know, a, a psychologically, mentally healthy self, the only way to get there is to embrace both the shadow self and the light self. Um, and, and an interesting thing that happens is as we bring our shadow self into the light, it morphs and becomes not so much the shadow self anymore. You know, um, let's say you have a tendency, this is all share from personal experience. When I was young, because of a specific trauma that happened to me, I had a tendency to lie about certain things. So I would make up stories. I would like bold face lie about the, I mean, now I look back, I'm like, I don't, nobody believed me. I don't even know why I was like making up the lie, but I would lie about things that was part of my shadow self. And as I've worked through that in therapy and in my own writing, I've realized that there was a really specific reason why I was doing that. And it wasn't until I could say out loud, I lied about that. 
and talk about why I lied about it, that I was able to bring light to the situation and I was able to actually heal that part of myself that had the impulse to lie. Now, before that, I would say to myself all the time, just like so many of us do about our bad habits, I would be like, I'm never doing that again. That was the stupidest thing ever. I got myself tangled into this impossible web of lies that now I have to like tiptoe my way out of or like try to, you know, get untangled from this thing. And I would go through these like relapses um, of lying again and again and again when I would promise myself I wasn't going to do it. And then, you know, sure enough, two days or two weeks later, I would find myself stuck in another lie. And I would just be like, why the heck do I do this to myself? Mm. It wasn't until I started really telling the truth. And here's the irony, like really telling the truth about the lying and trying to unpack why I was acting that way that I started to gain the insight that I needed in order to shift the behavior. But the behavior could not be shifted by my own sheer willpower and discipline. As a former childhood liar myself, I made, <laughs> I, I made, I made a leprechaun trap um, in third grade and there was a design flaw that my classmates pointed out and I said well there's a laser that I'm not supposed to turn on because it could hurt people that like <laughs> and I just had you know spun this whole thing and I was convinced like a I had the best leprechaun trap because now it had a laser and B yeah. everyone believed me right so yeah you know yeah I think there's there's two levels of shame there right it's acknowledging to yourself w what's going on and what what the issue is and then it's somebody else finding out yes. and, and, and that can be such a hard thing to combat. And I'm so glad thanks to the good work of, you know, people like Brene Brown and, and other researchers and just, you know, the, the talk that's surrounding so much more lately in the last few years around, you know, acknowledging our weaknesses and being vulnerable and being authentic and having mm -hmm. those be the things that really connect us ultimately and realizing, yeah. gosh, I'm not alone at all in this and I'm not weird or wrong or bad and there's help and there's hope yes. and, and I can change, right? Totally. Yeah. I want to speak really quickly to the, to, to what you said about shame, because writing in particular as a tool has a really positive benefit to bring to processing our own shame because therapists are resolute about the fact that disclosure as in telling something that we're ashamed of is very helpful in relieving the shame, okay. assuming that the person who we disclose to responds in a positive way. Mm. The problem is disclosure to someone who responds in a negative way can actually be much more harmful than it, it can cause much more harm than, than it does good. So what writing does is it offers us an opportunity to disclose first to ourselves so that we can understand our own shame, face our own shame, um, relieve so much of that shame before we ever turn to disclose to someone so that we reduce the, the possibility that someone else's response to our story might have a damaging effect on us. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, that is, that's so interesting. And yeah, there may be things that you're writing down just to disclose in your journal and for you yeah. or with a therapist or things. And then there's certain things where it's prudent to go to that next level and disclose to somebody else, make things right, do a repair, whatever needs to ha happen. Um, but yeah, perhaps there's more clarity in starting with that writing of what that next step should look like or, or could yes. look like, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
everyone, wanted to jump in one last time and thank another show sponsor, and that is Super Lucky. It is a game that I want you to download immediately because it is so super fun. To me, playing games is just another form of self-care, and as important as it is to keep your body in shape, it's also important to keep your mind sharp. And Word Forest is a fantastic word puzzle app. It's totally free, and it's perfect for word search addicts. I was recently on a word-related show, game show, that I will tell you about soon once I know when it's gonna air. But I love word games. Be on Wheel of Fortune was always something that I wanted to be on, and so I love playing these types of games at home. This is a game where you connect letters in any direction to form hidden word matches. It has over 2,000 levels, so it's the perfect thing to binge when you just need a little pick-me-up, a little break, and you can put yourself to the test in this fun and addicting game. So stop mindlessly scrolling through social media and keep your mind sharp. You might as well. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Word Forest. Download Word Forest for free today and you can get ready to flex your brain muscles. And I can't wait to hear what your high score is. <laughs> so post-divorce, how old were you when you got divorced? 30, I think. 30. 30 when the divorce was final. Yeah. And so... At 30, most of us are thinking our life is going to look a certain way. We're building certain things. You were. And like you said, a lot of that was taken from you. And I would imagine that that not only what you lost, but also the loss of of what would be and kind of the uncertainty then that that brings on had to be incredibly tumultuous. So how did you go about believing that there was still a hopeful, bright, bright future that got you to this place where you say that this, that was really the best thing that ever happened to you. And mm. and if you want to tell some of your love story of how you met your new husband, that, that would yeah. be fine too. <laughs> totally. Well, this connects to what I said about the shadow self, but part of what happened for me was I realized I was going to have to make peace with what was. Mm. And there were a lot of elements of what was that were really dark and unfortunate and definitely not the way that I had planned for my life to go. So here I am, I'm 30 years old. I had always thought at 30 that I would, you know, have a career, have a husband, have a family already. And I have none of those things. And in fact, in my head, I'm sent all the way back to ground zero to, to start from the beginning. Um, and I had a friend who walked me through this process where, you know, I was, I think I was trying to jump through all the mental hoops to try to figure out like, could I meet someone who already has kids and then I could be a stepmom and then that would sort of, you know, like speed me up or kind of like I'd get to like leap over some of these obstacles or not feel like I was at that square one. And she said, what would happen if you just made peace with the fact that you may never get married again and you may never have your own children? Mm -hmm. And when she first said that to me, I thought that's the most terrible thing you could possibly say to a person. That's awful. Like you've yeah. just like stolen any hope that I had of this, you know, working out in, to my benefit. But as I started to think about that, I realized that was really what needed to happen for me in order for me to begin to like even be open or to dream again about what I wanted my life to look like because I had to make peace with the truth of what was. So I started to work through that in my writing process and just um, decided that I was going to find a way to enjoy my life and to make it the most of what it could possibly be, even if I never fell in love again, even if I never got married again, I never had a And 
you know, it was a long process of doing that, but there was a moment when that clicked for me and I felt like I kind of, it's like a, the click of a puzzle piece into Mm. place where I felt like I settled into my life. Um, so like shortly after the divorce, I sold the house that we had been living in and I moved into this tiny little six hundred square foot apartment. And just like, I felt like it was like my little incubator of pain. (laughs) I just like cried myself to sleep for so many nights in a row. And after living there for a year and a half or so, I just felt like, you know what? I love my life. I love my life. I love my friends. I love myself. I love the work that I get to do. I really enjoy spending time with myself. And if I never fall in love again, if I never get to get married again, if I never get to have my own children, I'm going to be okay. And that was such a powerful moment for me. What's amazing about that is out of that grew the life that I have now. Very shortly later, this was probably in April of um, 2000, what would that have been? 17, April of 2017, I have this epiphany moment that I'm like, I love my life. And then in, um, let's see, like, I guess it would have been August of that year. I was in LA teaching a writing workshop and a friend of mine, a, like a loose acquaintance of mine I had bumped into was like asking what was up in my life and was like, Hey, are you single? And I was like, why are you asking? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I have a friend I think you'd really get along with. Um, can I set you up? And I was like, well, I, I, um, fly out tomorrow morning. So there's not really time. And before I knew it, he was already texting his friend and we (laughs) had a date set up for that night. So like at 8 PM that night, I meet my now husband for the first time. And we went on a great, like first date. It was, there was not, I tell the story that there was not fireworks because it was like, I remember him walking in and thinking to myself, like, wow, you would make a great friend. And I, I'm like, I kind of laugh because I'm like, that's the last thing, you know, like yeah. <laughs> a romantic partner wants to hear say, said about them. But I actually mean it as a huge compliment because Matt is incredibly grounded. Our relationship um, grew slowly. It was like really true from the beginning. We had an amazing conversation. We talked for like an hour and a half. He walked me to my car. We went home. It wasn't like, you know, I can't live without you. I have to have you in my life. But slowly over time, our relationship grew in trust and grew as a friendship kind of first. And then it was December before we officially decided to start dating. And we were at a distance too. I was in Nashville at the time and he was in LA. So I'm so thankful for the way that the relationship started because it's built a really solid foundation for us, especially for me coming off of what was a very traumatic, um, romantic relationship and traumatic end to the marriage that I think I needed, I needed that foundation to be built in exactly the way that it was. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy you found him. And so that was one piece of the puzzle of wondering, you know, will I find love again? Will I trust again? And then the answer was yes. So then the next part is, okay, so now I'm five years older and, you know, are we going to start having kids, things like that? Yes. And obviously you have a five month old now. So the answer is yes. yes. But so do you kind of want to walk through kind of that part and, and what has that motherhood journey kind of taught you about perspective and about hoping and things like that? Well, this is a fun part of the story for me because um, my ex-husband and I had tried to get pregnant for a a decent amount of time, I think a little over two years, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have any success at that. Now that I look back, I'm obviously thankful that I'm not connected to him in that lifetime kind of a way, 
Um, but at the time when I was going through the divorce, it was, that was part of the devastation for me. So when I got married again, you know, I was really realistic with Matt about, uh, I was like, I, you know, I didn't ever do any fertility testing. I don't know if it was me or if it was him or, or what the deal was. Um, so I'm not sure if we'll be able to have a family and Matt never seemed concerned about it. We had a lot of conversations about it where again, it was really just about settling with this idea that we were just going to let, let it happen if it happened. And if it not, if not, then, you know, we would find a way to adopt. We both really wanted to be parents, but, um, but I did have a little bit of trepidation about it going into our wedding because I was like, you know, I'm older now and I'm considered a geriatric pregnant. I'm 37 now. Um, I was 36 at the time, I guess that we got married and miraculously, amazingly enough, we got pregnant immediately. I mean, I, I'm obviously don't know the day that we conceived, but I, I think that we got pregnant on our wedding night. And, um, to me, it just speaks to, <laughs> I love um, that so much. I know. Um, I, we were both just like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Um, it speaks to a couple of things. Like I'm, I'm, uh, hesitant to put like a definitive meaning to it. Like I've heard some people say, well, like, see, it just wasn't right before. And now it's right. I think there are a lot of times when people face infertility issues that aren't, it, it's just, I always say getting pregnant is either the hardest thing or the easiest thing you've ever done. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it, it's complicated, you know, no matter what direction that you look at it. Um, but I do think within the context of my own story, I will say to me, the significance of me getting pregnant that easily is just really about me being in alignment with myself. So me being so far out of alignment in my last marriage, sort of like, um, telling myself that everything was fine and telling myself that I was happy and telling myself that, you know, um, I think it's deep down intuitively. I knew that there were lots of secrets he was keeping from me that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And so I think my body was shut down. And, um, obviously in this relationship, my body, doesn't, it wasn't shut down and was just open and ready to receive, um, this new blessing. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And, um, I, I don't know, I feel like it's a whole separate question to talk about like what motherhood has been like for me. So I don't know if you want me to dive into that or yeah, not. Yeah, no, go ahead because we have, you know, a full range of listeners who are, you know, new mothers. I'm pregnant with my fourth and, you know, it's just, it's just so fun to hear all about okay. that. So okay. yes, we'd love to hear about, yeah, your motherhood experience. Okay. Well, I got pregnant in, uh, November. We got married November 9th. So somewhere in there first uh -huh. part of November and the pandemic obviously hit in March of 2020. So, um, so I, I always joke with Matt, like if I had known that the pandemic was coming, I would have been like, let's hold off until after this crazy thing is over. Um, but you know, obviously it's, it's, I'm glad that it happened when it did. Um, but that's been an added layer of, I'm, I'm prefacing with that just to say that this has been for any of us who have been pregnant or had babies during this very bizarre time in our world. I think it's an added layer of stress. And my friends who have kids already, I've asked them before, you know, like as I'm talking about my experience with being a mom for the first time, I'm like, is this postpartum or is this pandemic? Because right. I kind of can't separate the two. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that motherhood has done for me is it's reminded me of so many of the things I was talking about at the beginning of our conversation that the pandemic has reminded me, which is just, I am not in control. So all of my coping mechanisms for all of my life, uh, which were about, you know, um, working hard, putting my head down, making stuff happen, controlling the situation, having a schedule, having a plan, being type A, having everything organized, everything's in its place. That has just crumbled 
to nothingness <laughs> in my life. Oh. We, um, in, in a beautiful way. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the story I was talking about earlier where I like pre-scripted the birth and I had my whole birth plan and I was going to give birth at a birth center and we were immediately right when I went into labor transferred to the hospital, my blood pressure skyrocketed and had a very scary delivery of my daughter. She was in the NICU for a week. Um, Mm. it, I think it, it, like I mentioned earlier, it was an incredibly humbling experience and an incredibly vulnerable experience that just reminded me that just like everyone, I am a human being. And I think if we can take, here's what I think is so beautiful about that. Motherhood is one of many ways that we can have that experience in our life that we're not control in control over everything. And if we can take that experience as you know, a really beautiful reminder of how human we are. I mean that in the best way, like, you know, when we can settle into our own humanness is actually when we experience the most joy in our lives. So if we can kind of settle into our humanness and I can go like, my house is not going to be perfectly organized all the time. It's just not, or, um, you know, my daughter is not going to like stay on a perfect schedule. Like I thought she was, or, um, I'm not going to be able to control the birth experience to, to look exactly. I was going to, you know, in my head, I was like going to be in the tub and there was going to be the, my doula there and the midwife. And it was going to be this like beautiful, magical, transformative, like, you know, thing. And, and instead I was, you know, in the hospital and hooked up to, um, IVs and had the, the epidural and all of that stuff. So it, it just was a whole different kind of experience than I expected it to be. But if we can embrace that as, uh, an incredible reminder of how human we are. I think we, uh, we get to, as a friend of mine says, we get to rejoin the human race and there's such, that's where all the beauty and the joy in life is, is what I'm getting at is, is when we're there. And so often we sort of like to pull ourselves out of the mix and think like, um, you know, I'm different. <laughs> like I can, yeah. I can, um, I don't know. I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this. Does it, am I making any sense at all? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it comes down to giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt as well as others. And so many times we're so quick to hop to a judgment, whether it's for ourselves or for somebody else, but really it's like that iceberg analogy where there's just so much beneath the surface. And it's yes. like you as your 37 year old self giving birth for the first time in an environment you weren't expecting in a way you weren't expecting in a time you weren't expecting, you know, all these things. And, you know, it, it just is so clarifying and it just, it just speaks so much like the greater picture, like you said, of, of not being able to control things, but you got your baby out of it I and, know, and, and yes. everything and, ended up you just know, I've fine. Had so many friends remind me, uh, you know, they're like, when we hear you tell the story, we hear this like incredibly empowered woman yeah. who is able to overcome any obstacle. And this is the power of writing down our stories, right? Yeah. Is that it, the way, when I came out of the birth experience, I was like, nothing went as I planned. I completely failed. Mm-hmm. And when I tell the story to myself, when I write it down or when I tell it to a friend and I hear myself saying the words, I see the story very differently. I see it as a, an amazingly empowered, powerful woman who overcame uh, like, you know, a series of unexpected obstacles in order to get my daughter into the world safely. So, so I think, yeah, I agree with yeah. exactly what you're saying. It's, it's both like holding on to our humanness and our vulnerability and also embracing like our power and our strength. Yeah. I love that so much. And for people that, 
I mean, I love this podcast because I think it gives women a unique opportunity to to step back for an hour and reflect upon their journey and realize, you know, really where they've been, how far they've come, the lessons they've learned. And really, we're so busy and so wrapped up in the next thing. We very rarely give ourselves that space. And I think journaling is a great way and writing in general is a great way to t- give yourself that opportunity to reflect, to document to synthesize things maybe differently and see things differently. And I always recommend people kind of, you know, narrate their own therapy session, you know, and and, as a way and ask themselves the questions that you, maybe you wish somebody would ask you or whatever, and just kind of play both roles and then let it out. So whether it's verbally or in writing or things like that, what would you say to get people to just start writing or somebody wants to document their birth story? How you know, for, for, for hesitant writers who don't feel like they have that skill set, what would you tell them? Yeah. Well, what, the way you said it is so profound to ask yourself a question you wish someone else would ask you and answer it because what you find, this is a strategy that I teach writers all the time where you write down a question at the top of the page and then you answer yourself. And what you find is that the answers you've been looking for outside of you in books or podcasts or from mentors or family members or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with looking for answers in those places, but those answers you've been looking for there actually are, they already exist inside of you and they are perfectly tailored to your situation and to your life and to your, the, the journey that you're on. So you find yourself writing things that you didn't even know you thought or writing things that you didn't even know you felt. And that's the magic. That's where you can, you know, unlock a brand new perspective on your story. So, um, a great place to start. And I, um, it's funny that you talk about that with questions because it's a a technique that I teach writers and it's one I've been doing for myself for the last few days. Mm. For example, I just sat down this morning in my little 30 minutes of writing time I have scheduled for myself. And, um, I wrote down the question at the top of my page, how can I have better boundaries in my life? Hmm. Because one of the things that I've been really wanting to do in 2021 is just feel like I've got a little bit more margin and white space for creativity, for writing, and then also better boundaries in my relationships as well. And so it's a question I've been asking myself as the year has started off. I just wrote it down at the top of the page. And then I literally created a bullet point list of my own answers to the question. And what I found was like 15 bullet points of things that I already know to do to create better boundaries in my life. And, you know, some of them maybe I'm doing, but a lot of them I'm not doing. So I answered that question for myself and it really was just the power of, um, of putting it on the page. Cause before I sat down to the page, I didn't have those answers. And then after I sat down to the page, I did. So that can be one really, uh, powerful way to start. The biggest piece of advice that I would give to people is just not to overcomplicate it. Mm. So if you have a phrase that keeps popping up in your mind and you're not quite sure why it's there, but you keep saying it to yourself over and over again, just write it down. And you don't have to sit down for 20 minutes or 40 minutes or two hours to write. You could just sit down for 15 seconds and write down that one phrase and then spend some time pondering it. And if something else comes up, you can write that down as well. But I think the the biggest mistake so many of us make when it comes to writing is we think that it has to look a certain way. Like we think it has to, you know, have like a really strong opening or it's got to have like a, a strong argument. We have to build it in a certain way. The sentences have to sound some certain way. It's got to be perfect grammar. And, um, the, the beauty of the writing process as you do this for yourself is grammar just really could not matter any less. <laughs> good writing, I say, is not good grammar. Good writing is good thinking. So take what you're thinking, write it down on the page, and see what it might un- unfold for you. That is such such a great 
tip. Thank you so much for that. And it is so fun to see how wise you truly are as you're just like jotting down those 15 things. Like even if you're not doing them all, like, you know, you know how to help yourself and at least how to get started. Right. And so you have, you have a jumping off point. So you have your new book launching the power of writing it down, a simple habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. And so whether you're listening right now and you feel stuck personally, professionally, wherever you are, these tips and tricks and just the power of writing can really serve you. And, um, I, one last question because baby books used to be like a really big deal and now they're social media. And so I think baby books have kind of gone out the window and we think we're going to remember all these things about our kids and the cute things they say, or when they do things or their first words. And, and then you have five billion kids and then you just forget (laughs) who did what. And, and I am so guilty at documenting so well those first two. And then it's just like, hop in the picture, hop in the selfie. Right. And so how do you plan to document the life of your baby? And do you like, are you strategic about that? How are you what are you doing? Yeah. About that? You know what we've done? This was just kind of a fun idea that my husband had, and I thought it was so perfect, especially given my passion for writing. He started an email account for her, uh-huh. and we write her emails and send them to the account whenever she does something cute or fun or when we take a picture that we think she's going to love or we'll, like, sometimes record a little video and send it over. <gasps> but we just write little things about her life and send it to the email account, and the plan is to give her access to the email account on her 18th birthday so that she can go through and read all the emails. Oh, my gosh, that is so wonderful. I've done the, I've, I've gotten the email address cause I don't want my kids to run, yeah. you know, to have all the email addresses taken by the time they're old. But, um, I love the idea of even sending pictures or videos and things like that. And fun? it's like a little digital scrapbook. Yes, that is, I mean, can you imagine receiving that? At 18? Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like we're not going to be able to wait until she's 18. No, I don't think you, I don't think you will either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you will either. But, but even like if you started giving, um, them access earlier and they could, you know, on their birthday, write a letter to themselves or like a journal entry or something. I think that's appropriate. And I love that. So they could even start contributing, you know, once, once they're able to type and, and whatnot, but that's a great idea. I've never really heard that and that's oh that's I'm very that's great that's awesome very cool we have my my brilliant husband to thank for that one okay well thank you brilliant husband um so Allie where can people find you online well findyourvoice.com you can find um all of the products and services that we offer there Instagram I like to say is my favorite social outlet it's where I spend the most time so I give like regular writing prompts Mm -hmm. on my Instagram which is at Allie Fallon a-L-L-Y-F-A-L-L-O-N. And, uh, you know, share lots of snippets from my life and pictures of my daughter and fun stuff like that. Perfect. Well, all the best to you as your baby grows. It does go so fast, but also don't feel bad for the days where you feel like this day is going to lasting forever. <laughs> this <laughs> night, you, especially the night is lasting forever, right? Like you think daylight will never come and you're just like, Oh my gosh, yes. what did I do? You're, That's fine too. Like, is it midnight yet? And it's yes. Like 4 exactly. Oh, with the time change, it's just, yes. it just sets you back, doesn't it? So all the it, feelings are welcome and it's, it's all good. It's all good. Allie, I always ask my guests one final question and it's this, what would you tell your pre motherhood self? Um, 
Well, this is the first thing that came to mind. I don't really know what it means, but I'm going to go with it because this is what I coach writers to do. That there's so much more beauty, more of yourself that you have to offer the world. And your and motherhood is going to introduce you to it. Yes. Oh, that's so good. That is so, so good. And it's even stuff that's already there that you just haven't seen. It's kind of like what we're talking yes. about with exposing things on the page. It's like, oh, that was right in front yes. of me all along. Oh, I love yes. that. Allie, so this has been such a beautiful conversation. I hope this encourages the listener to start writing wherever they're at in their life, whatever they want to write about. It doesn't need to be complicated. Like you said, it can just be so, so simple. Um, but that documentation process can help you so much for processing, for documenting. And um, what a gift to give to give people later on if, you know, they can go back through your journals and, um, yes. you know, just yeah, live vicariously and understand you a bit better. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's been such a blast to be here with you. I'm really, really grateful for this conversation. Me too. Happy New Year, Allie. Thanks, you too. Doesn't that just make you want to go right? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so I hope that if you're not in the practice and the habit of writing, I hope that you'll consider it as a therapeutic processing tool, whether it's for fun, whether it's for its posterity. Writing can just be such a valuable tool and, and can be fun if it becomes just a regular part of your habits in your life. So thanks, Allie, for coming on. Definitely check out her new book. That's linked over at the podcast at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends. And we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.